Okay, so there's one more very important question that came up in the book. If you had a superpower, flying or invisibility, <laughs> which would you take? <laughs> probably invisibility, because I'm absolutely terrified of heights. So even if I could fly, I'd probably be terrified. <laughs> I think invisibility would be better. I think definitely invisibility. I think I'd have invisibility. I'm, I'm terrified of heights as well, so. Though I think with the flying, I would definitely, I might pick flying right now because I'm actually trying to book, because I'm registered for my vaccine and John is actually having his first vaccine on Sunday. So we're kind of hopeful that by September we'll be able to yeah. travel. And so I've just realised how decimated our airlines are. So you cannot fly to Paris from Cork or Shannon anymore. It's only through Dublin. So now I don't live in Dublin. I live in Camera. I'm like, I have to now, because there isn't even a flight from Killarney Airport now to Dublin. So we're going to have to travel to Dublin on the Thursday afternoon, stay at a hotel in Dublin overnight Thursday. Jimmy, you can fly stay with me. I'm right next to the airport. She has a spare bedroom. Oh, you have to to baby, though. It's, yeah. it's turning into like Lawrence of Arabia. Like just... So yeah, I'd probably pick flying right now because I'm like, that would make life a little bit easier. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jamie. And I'm Sarah. And welcome to Good, Good Luck, Luck with, with the, the book. book. The podcast that celebrates all things books with plenty of new stories and chats. Hello, everyone. Uh, it's been a while. So we're finally getting to our episode eight, leaving you on a big cliffhanger the last time. So... Uh, <laughs> Now, sorry it's so late. We, we thought we were going to do this literally two weeks ago when my book came out. Uh, you're going to be hearing a lot of that today. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's just been crazy, yeah. absolutely crazy. And I'm only back in Kerry with the dog and John in the last couple of days. So we finally have time. And actually, it was a nice way to do an interview because Jesus, you must be sick of listening to me. Like, in fairness, the publicist did an amazing job. But like, I just, Sarah was like, will we just leave it and then maybe just have a discussion about <laughs> how it's gone rather than you know everyone's heard about the book i think oh, everyone knows about the book yeah <laughs> <laughs> no i think it'd be interesting for people just to um hear what it's like just to be in the publishing process and then on the road and especially during a pandemic completely different to other i think being an author maybe yeah because i think uh, there's a lot of people and I, this is my experience but I don't, maybe people will relate to it you always want to be published as a you're right you're kind of good that this day that I will be published and now I've had all the bits and pieces published in the past but this was the first what I consider any sort of major piece mm. of work you know but I then was didn't really think about publishing means people read it you know <laughs> you think of publishing just being the physical book and you're like oh I don't have a book and then you're going oh but that means now I, like I had a panic about that like going like my dream scenario would probably be everyone buying it and no one reading it <laughs> <laughs> Like I feel a bit, I want people to buy it so the publisher doesn't go like, why did we publish this person? But then I'm also terrified about kind of reading it and uh, and even things like good, like I haven't gone near Goodreads and uh, I won't well, go near Goodreads. So yeah. I just, I, I'm i not sure it's healthy for That's a writer true. to get engaged yeah. too much in their criticism. I think it's better to just put it out in the world. Like I did my best. I've done a few events through Zoom and I've, I would read maybe a page or two out of the book. And I'm still editing it. Like I, even as my, I'm preparing the readings, I'm like, oh, that word isn't great. Take that out. So you may notice that if I do readings, I deviate <laughs> from the, what's on the page because I'm like, oh, I don't like that word anymore, <laughs> which is ridiculous because it's been, it's been drafted about 16, 17. I literally have about 16 or 17 drafts just listed out one after the other, not complete Shame rewrites, me. but like a read through, a clean up and move on to the next draft, you know? So 
but then work, I don't think the work has ever done like Frank O'Connor thank god like probably one of the great Irish writers of the short story never finished also Cork his Cork as well yeah but he never finished these stories so even after they were published they would find drafts of these stories still being rewritten years later so really yeah so that gives me comfort that you know someone at that level still does yeah. that it's, it's it's quite usual and in a way it's a good thing because I would hope that my writing would have moved on in five years ten years so in which case if you've learned to continue to grow as a writer then of course the work you did before is going you're going to read it differently when you come yeah. back to it again so and then like, you also have to just accept and move on just accept and move on and yeah, and I suppose I feel quite lucky in that for the last while I have been working on something new, so I can already feel my mind is somewhat there. Do you know? Bye bye diving for pearls. We give it another few months yet, but <laughs> but in terms of I can feel my creative kind of antenna is is moving in that direction, you know, and because even before the even coming up on the train to do the interview on RTE. I actually had to read over it again, do like a quick reread because it's like, it just slips away so fast. It's just, you know, because the... You're going to be like, I do know my own book. I did write it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so look, before you go any further, I'm going to introduce our interview E today. I, I was practicing this earlier and I feel like, do you remember Bridget Jones? Oh. <laughs> She's introduced <laughs> Mr. Mr. Fitzherbert. <laughs> so Jamie O'Connell is the author of the best-selling novel Diving for Pearls. His work has been highly commended by the Costa Short Story Awards and the Unpost Irish Book Awards. He's been long-listed for BBC Radio 4 Opening Lines Short Story Competition and shortlisted for the May Vinci Travel Award and the Sky Arts Future Fund. Jamie has an MFA and an MA in Creative Writing from UCD and is not only a very talented writer, but a fabulous friend and all around Aww. amazing person. Oh, <laughs> oh, put that down on the back of the book. Amazing friend. <laughs> <and all. laughs> so we're going to do things a bit differently today. So we're just going to probably talk about, instead of talking about the books, I think you've talked about the book a lot. Mm. You've been on so many shows. So I think it'd be nice just to talk about what it was like, I suppose, going around doing all that publicity, mm. especially I listened to the interview with, on RTE with oh. Oliver Callan and it was very emotional. And I just wondered, like, did you think that you would give so much of yourself away in the interviews or did it just kind of happen and you were okay with that? In a way, it was just the day because yeah. I know in fairness, RTE, the producers and my publicist, Amy, who is like a juggernaut of a publicist, she's incredible. They really prepped me. And, you know, I was given a clear outline of what likely were going to be the questions. And Amy went through yeah. them with me quite carefully, because obviously it's, it's a really important interview for a book that that kind of Radio 1, where I'm talking to slot. So, yeah, it's the dream slot for a writer yeah. to go on. So I was well prepped. But what you couldn't prepare for was the day and mm. just the day of it. And... I was sitting outside the RT studio and funny enough, a tweet came through on my phone and it was a picture of the book set to Waterford window, Waterford window, which was like the whole window was just like my book and posters and everything. And there was all this sort of, I suppose, love coming my way, for, you know, from online and from like really, really lovely stuff. And it's a project, this specific project I've been working on for nine years, not all the time, but on and off throughout the years, I'm working on it with my agent and then obviously with an editor. And but the, the the process of 
like wanting this day to happen is actually 25 years, which I know <laughs> with the filter on, you're kind of going, <laughs> you're 25. Uh, but <laughs> so like I when I and I don't want to cover all ground, but no, I figured out quite early, you know, that I was I think I was literally 11 when I was always quite creative. We didn't have television for a good bit of our childhood. So we were always doing creative things. But I tended to do a lot more painting. And but it wasn't until I was 11 and I saw this interview with Maeve Binchy talking about writing that I went, oh, sounds great. And it, it just something clicked in my head. That was something I would, I would one day write a book along with live in New York and, you know, all these yeah. other dreams I had. And we just got uh, our computer at the time, which was the Windows 95 had just come out. And it was kind of the, the you know, it was the computer that everyone got. It was the yeah, we had a big cream one. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And <laughs> dial up. It had the little gateway, the little, the little cow print, little gateway thing. Do you remember them? No, go on there. No, but I, I remember all the dial up and you, you couldn't get calls when you're on the internet and all this kind of thing. <laughs> but, you know, and, and I learned to touch type using the Mavis Beacon touch typing thing. It was like a little... It was like a game. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, and you like A S D F J K L. And then I started to write pure onto a computer. I've always written actually as a type, you know, typing onto the computer from eleven. And then, but it took me about two years. But I actually got a, well, I'm going to say book down, but I got about sixty-five thousand words, a, a little YA book because eleven-year-olds know about YA issues so well. <laughs> so you can imagine it was, you know, uh, it was it was awful. I still have it, so I can still prove it's awful. Uh, and, I actually I mean, have to like. Um... But the diligence I was to sit down and do that. I loved it. It was like an addiction. It was like something I just went, this is really enjoyable. I'm enjoying this. Yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't require much discipline because I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And so I got it down by 13. And I think if nothing else came of that, it kind of clarified something I loved doing, like in a in a in a way that I could sustain. And then from then on, I was I've always been writing since then. And that's actually, I'm now 36, that's 25 years ago. Yeah. And I just remember being young and seeing the kind of the penguin logo, the the little orange, uh, or the, the puffin logo, I suppose, actually, of the yeah, puffin. uh of the Roald Dahl books and things like that. So fast forward 25 years and working away behind the scenes while having a full-time job and everything else going on in my life, but constantly writing and then doing the masters and the MFA. And it's all like try, fail, learn pivot try fail learn pivot until finally you get the formula that is gives you success and that's what I've yeah. been doing for 20 it's taken me 25 years because I'm obviously a, a tough a tough student or something I don't know <laughs> but you know I tried books they failed tried to figure out why they failed and then learn for the new one if you bring that forward to that Thursday when I was going on RT it was a 25 year journey to that moment and to have my book with like the penguin logo on it and, and feel I was finally in the space where I dreamt of being for a quarter of a century. So yeah, there was a lot more, it was, it was way more emotional than I thought it was going to be. And yeah. no amount of preparation from the great publicist and in all fairness, the RT producers were wonderful. Like they were so good. And so I did not feel they were out to get, they were so supportive through the whole thing. And even afterwards, a couple of them messaged me and said like, how much they loved the interview just off their own backs, yeah. which was just so, so lovely. So, but nothing could have prepared for the intensity of, that all coming together in that one day, in that one moment, and just being in the studio and even being and in the so studio, I, I suppose, because yeah. you haven't like because of COVID, you might not have been in the studio or and no. it was that was the actual publication day, wasn't it? It was the publication day. I think for them, I was one of the first people to actually go back into the studio in a phys as a physical human being. Yeah. Uh, which I'm so glad I did because even as he Oliver was talking through the interview to have that eye contact and even there's yeah. a point where I was like he asked a question about my parents and 
I started to, and I could feel if I say another word, I'm not going to hold it together. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just had to stop mid-sentence. And he was reading me and just, and he was very kind. He didn't yeah. push. He just moved on to something else, you know, and moved it on. So I'm really grateful that I had someone who had the empathy in the interview to kind of, a good conversation yeah, is, is, is kind him. of a dance. You know what I mean? It's a dance of two people, you know, verbally. Yeah. And he he understood that. And I, I yeah, and he had that, way more emotional um, than I thought kind of shared experience as a gay man. Mm. He didn't come out until he was 30, I think he said, which yeah. is quite late, I suppose. So I think he probably had that, you know, that connection that maybe mm. added to it. Yeah, I mean, because I, well. <laughs> I, 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 like the, the, obviously when I, the Ryan Tarpety thing had been arranged for a long time before the book had come out. So it would, you know, and, and Ryan didn't announce so quite late that he was going on holiday. So at first we did, we always assumed it would be Ryan who'd be doing yeah. the interview. I think it worked out very well that it was another gay man who I do, you know, yeah. who I I feel like life lined that up for a reason. Yeah. I'm, and I'm very happy. Yeah. So, but I mean, the, the weird thing, I was actually, God, Amy must have thought like she was standing, she couldn't go into the studio. She was actually standing outside on the street and outside RTE. So oh I came gosh. out to her and I was just very like, I was quite emotional. I don't know. I just, I was way more emotional than like I needed a, a few minutes to kind of get myself back together from the intensity of it. But uh like i probably shouldn't say this because it's covid but like she just gave me a big hug and like yeah well i think you needed uh, it i really needed the hug after it. I, and it wasn't yeah. because i felt i'd had a horrible interview it just it was so much more intense than i'd expected yeah. it to be no, so. I, that's what i wasn't even thinking getting at that it was horrible or even that i didn't even think he was probing i just i thought he was um, he handled it really well yeah and like oh, no, you said I, he read you and if you yeah. had that been on zoom or the phone that just wouldn't happened no, no. So, and then uh, we went back into town then afterwards and John rang me because he'd heard us and was just, oh. he was all concerned. He's like, are you okay? Which is kind of sweet. Then we went into town and did the various signings. And so it was a, a whirlwind day, actually. No, we didn't. We went in and actually had two further <laughs> interviews, oh, uh, one for the examiner and one for, there was a radio. I, they're actually nearly, they're all a haze to me, actually. Yeah, you, I think it was I, um, the, the Dublin FM, wasn't it? Dublin FM, that was it, yeah. yeah. And then I had a piece for the Examiner, the which I haven't, actually, yeah, I haven't actually seen. I'm like, oh dear. <laughs> if something comes out and I seem like a madman, <laughs> <laughs> that's my excuse. So just exhausted, uh, were you? Just like, emotionally was, drained. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. And then went in into the signings and because... Obviously, normally after you do all that, the publishers would take you out to a nice lunch somewhere. But of course, there's no restaurants open. So Amy, the pub assistant, and my editor slash publisher, uh, Fiona, arranged for us to have like a champagne picnic in the park. So we had it on, <laughs> which was wonderful. It was like, I feel it's like one of those days that I'll remember would be one of the days of my life. Do you know what I mean? You know, yeah. to kind of like people talk about their weddings or something. I feel like that was one of those days. And then after that, I was had a couple of free hours. And then, of course, the actual launch at the West Cork Literary Festival yeah. was then. But I have to say, when I finally got that free moment at about four or five in the day and to check my phone, I think I had about 200 messages. Like, <laughs> and I mean, it was it was that was probably one of the highlights. Like the whole day was just like a highlight. But so many people messaged me who were like, I'm gay you know, your story just matched my story, really? or, you know, had similarities. It wasn't all like, obviously a lot of friends and stuff contacted yeah. me, but there was a massive amount of strangers, not strangers, but people around Ireland who obviously, there's something that's connected with the story. And that was, that was, yeah. you know, lovely. And then, 
you know, even on Twitter and stuff, there was some really lovely comments. I think Adele Coffee said some lovely things, which was so nice. And yeah. because I haven't listened back to that interview, I just think I'll leave it where it is. But oh, completely, Jamie, like what yeah. sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone said like, you know, you didn't make a fool of yourself. It's fine. No, it was, you didn't. It was so, amazing interview. And, and uh, I have friends, people contact like friends of mine that don't know you or whatever, send messages as well saying, they were they thought it was a lovely interview. One of the oh. girls, Elena, sent a message saying her anti center message. He sounds like a lovely boy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? I forgot what nearly killed me in the interview, which was what really made me go over the edge completely. Was I think they read out some messages, which was kind of when I was given a breather to kind of like get back on track, and then Katrina. <laughs> I was like, I know who Katrina. I was like, Katrina uh, message and said something lovely. I'm not sure what she said, but I just heard Katrina. I was like. That's <laughs> and it was so lovely it really made the moment so thank oh, you Katrina that was so nice she's such a lovely uh, person oh just the best and they've been uh, so supportive like Arcsy and Blashy and what was it like of... like seeing your book in the I think Dubray on Gravity was the first mm. window you seen wasn't it that was I'd arrived up on the Wednesday for yeah. Thursday and just was walking around town and I walked up Grafton Street and I did I suppose because I worked in books, as you know, for years, as both of us did, yeah. and I, so I didn't expect to even react the way I did. But I was actually like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that there. So That's it was me. kind of yeah, that, it was definitely, <laughs> and they like and in Dubray, I you know they have been incredible with their support. They have even to this day, you know, I've even I've seen pictures of like their their displays. So I'm delight like I'm so grateful for what they've done they've been so grateful online you know online. it's just been I, I kind of it's it's hard to say you know all of them every single bookseller I can think of has really supported gone all you. out you know and, and and I feel there's a lot of it must be a lot of people in shops saying try this you know you know kind of yeah. holding it so and, and I the thing I've kind of taken away from the whole experience was you're the writer and you're being there you know aren't you great your book is the best I'm like well <laughs> There's a whole <laughs> army of people who yeah there that that isn't me I even got out and you know sold all these books and put them on the shelves that's actually a wide group of people who've been really supportive of it so my sort of the, the feeling I've come away with this week is just one of kind of intense gratitude actually which I know sounds very Oprah Winfrey to say that but no I no do, I do kind of feel it I feel like gosh yeah. I'm so I've been so blessed and things aligned in a way as if it was the right time and funny enough my agent messaged me in on the day because she and I I think she'd like a bit of Oprah I think that's maybe why we're a good match uh, uh <laughs> she actually messaged me on the day but she just said you know she just talked about like everything has its time and when things line up there's a timing for everything and I suppose she's been working with me for many years and there's been moments when I felt despondent and you know kind of I suppose doubting my ability and my talent and you know because as I said the road for me as a writer has been as I said that thing try fail yeah you know, it's been, so a failure is a massive part of the, of the process and I mean even JK Rowling has a short book written about kind of the, the importance of failure and, and how it's actually that success is a massive amount of failure yeah with a bit well, of I think success, I know so. from um listening to Brendan and Sonia on their on their podcast uh Lennon Court Left Alone they talk about failure it's not actually the failure that's important is what you do with the failure, I suppose. Yeah, I, I think, you know, one of my favourite expressions in life is you'll be a long time running west looking for a sunrise. Being a writer isn't always just like working hard. This American idea, if I just work hard, yeah. things will work out. You have to work smart as well. And yeah. if you're working hard, but in the wrong direction, you need to pivot. Like you will never, you won't find that sunrise running in the wrong direction. So 
I think that's when I even teach creative writing now, I'm like, you need to know how to listen to what's coming your way, the, the feedback and pivot according to that feedback. And that's how you ultimately start running in the right direction, you know? So, but I have to say, just to go back to the first day, I had the on, it, event in the evening with Sophie White which oh, was yeah, amazing, amazing. Yeah. Just brilliant. I knew because she's so great on podcasts and you know obviously we yeah she's, ourselves. A pro. she's just a pro at this kind of online space and it was just the easiest yeah chattiest it, hour hour of, of the whole it felt very easy very natural yeah yeah, yeah. so I mean I, I do worry about the online events that they people's concentration isn't as in you know there as if it was in person but I actually feel she was just brilliant However, yeah. so I was staying at a friend's apartment and <laughs> so my best friend and his partner and two other friends were there, like essentially my closest friends in Dublin. Yeah. And I was like, it's, before this event has ever happened, we we're like, look, we can't do restaurants or anything like that. Look, we'll do something in August or something like that. And just, you know, we'll do once everything's open again. And on the day, it's a long day. I knew it was going to be a long yeah. day. You know, I'll finish my online launch. We'll come out, we'll have a glass of champagne and that'll likely be it because the publicity continued on for the rest of the week. So I left the study where I was doing the thing and I came into the room and I was like, oh my God, totally unexpected. There was a cake made up with the book on the cover, you know, like printed onto the yeah. icing. I was like, oh my God, yeah. I can't believe it. And then I turned to the computer screen and they had actually created like a Zoom event of all my closest friends who are now like scattered across Europe. Oh. And they all had like a virtual toast, which I was like totally overwhelmed by. And they did you cry? I was more in shock and kind of like I was in a state of I think the whole day was a daze. But it was just they were all there, all of them wishing me well and and saying you know how much they'd have loved to have been there if it been possible. And we all had a little chat for a few minutes, and it was all fun and had a glass of champagne and then all the group had actually all chipped together to get me a launch present which was like oh my god what like it was just like a wave after like oh my god the cake and the room was all done up in balloons and everything and then I turned to the computer screen and there was the my closest friends who I've had for like decades now and and then Jamie's lovely so they've just oh I'm like I'm really I'm great friends like I really And actually, like Antonia coming into the city on the Wednesday was such a general, like, I'm very lucky I have a good set of people in my life, kind of when I think of the book world and when I think of sort of maybe more like gay friends or just friends from college and like, I'm I'm lucky, I think. Your sisters, brothers. sisters, yeah, I just, I think. John. Trudy. John, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, no. You dedicated the book to John. I did. He. Must be love. It is love. <laughs> he just has been so supportive over the last year when I've been down here. And funny, because leading up to the book coming out, I because I know the industry, I'm like, I know every single thing that can go wrong. I know I've seen books that are amazing, just not land for whatever reason and be super unlucky. I've seen books that I didn't really connect with and going, why are they doing so well? Like, so I just, yeah. I was so aware of like, all it takes is some bad weather and the Irish Sea and the books don't arrive here. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm true. so I'm so cautious. Whereas John was like, yeah. this is so exciting. And he throughout the weeks he's up to, I think he was really more excited than I was. He was just so it's lovely to have someone on side who just is so happy for your happiness, like and so yeah. happy for your success and cheers you, cheers you along. So he just was, of course, that was the the natural fit to to, to, to dedicate the book to him. Now my sisters now will be knocking on the door going. <laughs> <laughs> We're so... next. <laughs> and Jamie, so. 
you had to go on telly. What was that like? Had you been on telly before, on TV before? I had under a different name. <laughs> we'll say no more. <laughs> so, it is different because you're nearly, that's nearly like a mask, I suppose. You don't really feel mm. And And the things I was on TV before weren't such a personal project, I suppose, yeah. whereas this was. After the first interview, the other interviews on the radio were very kind of natural and easy, and I didn't really have yeah. any... I, I I knew not that I knew my answers, but I knew the flow and all the rest of it. But definitely the, I thought it was going to be fine. But then actually when I got out there and stuff, the nerves were more than I thought. Yeah. But actually before the show, I have to say the once again the producers there were really really lovely and really helpful, and they gave me a very clear list of like this is the topics we're definitely going to cover. So I didn't feel I was going on there to be caught out or anything. And like the show starts at six, but about ten to six. Mirren and then actually Martin Hello, came Mirren. down before Mirren came in and was just a joy like what a lovely person she just came in and yeah. was like do not be nervous just imagine you're having a coffee in a friend's house and there's a couple of couches and just chat and said don't think anything more than that she said I love the book she was just raving about how much she'd love the book and I, I know the reason I was on the show was that she had read it and had, you know it obviously it was a yeah that she was keen to to talk about so I'm hugely grateful to her because she was one of the earliest people to put the neck out and kind of go I love this book you know online Brilliant. so yeah love Miriam yeah. yeah oh I love her she used to be on say FM with the I have to say she's show. stunning yeah. like oh she's gorgeous isn't she gorgeous too. I know that's yeah. like I don't want to be like undermine yeah. her right they're kind of saying it but I was like gosh she's stunning yeah and then the fact that she's so nice as well just nice, kind of yeah radiant she's like just a her. perfect yeah she's like a perfect yeah. perfect and who's that is it Ray Foley was the no it was Martin King Oh, Martin, yeah, was so, it? Yeah, so they were both lovely. He came yeah. in as well and had a nice little chat too. So I kind of, I as much as I was nervous, they had, <laughs> as much as I was nervous, they really made sure that I felt as comfortable to be. And even as I did, and I, I did watch that interview back and I realised I can see as I'm there, I'm getting more comfortable, you know. So yeah. uh, at the start, I feel I'm a little bit sort of head down, Princess Diana, there's three of us in this marriage. <laughs> That was a very good princess you on the look there. <laughs> when I had read the book the first time, I'd never been to Dubai. But since I'd read it, now I read it again, I have been. Oh? The way you describe it is that like Emerald City in the desert. Like it's such, it's, you can't compare it really to anywhere else. No. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those 21st century cities. And I remember mm -hmm. being in New York, uh, being in Dubai and actually I visited Shanghai as well. And then visiting New York, and New York felt 20th century. Just the look mm. of it, the buildings. It's, it's a 20. It, it's a look of a 20th century city. The same way I think Paris. You go there, and you're in a 19th century city, or you go to London, and it's a 19th century yeah. city. Whereas you go there, and it's, it's, it's like maybe a couple of other places like that, as I said, like Shanghai or maybe Hong Kong, in that kind of feel. And Tokyo. And Tokyo, yeah. Well, you you feel you're slightly in the future. <laughs> yeah. But. That isn't to say that humans aren't the same there as they are everywhere else. <laughs> yeah, uh, the thing I found mad about it was the that you can't walk, you, you can't walk anywhere. It's just no. so alien, so, isn't it? Yes, it's like, there's all these skyscrapers and cars just driving around them through the streets, yeah. but there's no people anywhere. And a lot of that is just, I'd say, just the temperature. It's temperature just the completely, yeah. you die. So yeah, yeah, it's it's overwhelming. So <laughs> really, between April and October, you're you're dealing with heat, you know, in yeah. a way that you will have the air conditioning on, you will run from your air conditioned house to your air conditioned 
taxi or car or whatever and the 30 seconds it takes to get to the car and throw in your bags you will sit into the car and you'll have a triangle of sweat down your back in 30 seconds it's unbelievable so I don't think despite all the other thing issues I discussed about the book I don't know yeah. if that suits my I didn't feel long-term like your chest your sinuses you know I, I don't feel it's mm. I don't know if we're meant to essentially live <laughs> in the desert at 50 yeah. degrees a lot of the westerners that go there though it isn't a long well they don't plan it don't seem to plan mm. it as a long-term thing but then it the it's lifestyle just gets so yes yeah. <laughs> it's it's a great place if you can go there either as a single person or as a couple yeah. for maybe five years and it is very hard because people go there and they have these huge salaries and they're not paying tax and like we could literally save most of a house if we you know put the head down for five years and just got on with it you know we'd literally be almost buying a house cash if we came home but it's so easy the Dubai brunches and the luxury and if you hang out with a certain crowd that very quickly you see people falling off that wagon yeah totally <laughs> and in a very re reasonable way and it is a tough place to live in terms of climate and you're far away from home and you're far away from your family so I think it's not even a case of you start getting used to luxury, but you start needing a bit of those comforts to be to survive. okay, yeah, to survive and to be mentally kind of blow off yeah. steam because I don't think there's any way to get away from being away from the people you love, be it family or friends, you know, and I, I think yeah. I can understand someone going to Dubai as it was in 2010, really out of no choice. It's either that or like the un unemployment line back in Ireland. Yeah. So that makes total sense. But I think to voluntarily go there if you can maybe earn a bit less but be up the road from mom and dad and your siblings and your yeah. close friends I don't know your if the money's worth it. for me the money isn't worth it for me the money yeah. doesn't, it doesn't isn't worth that and I'd say most people would would be the same on that and, and uh if you're lucky you figure that out you know yeah uh it's funny because we read the Leonard and Hungry Paul book and yeah. you know uh Hungry Paul kind of says like I'm enjoying my parents while they're here like they're not going to be yeah. here forever and I think that's something you, you can't get back if you go live in Dubai you can live the high life but you aren't necessarily going to there is a cost there is a big yeah. paycheck that comes from that and it's um like it, it, it can be quite oppressive the heat obviously the heat mm. <laughs> physically oppressive and then just the well you have women to having to wear like the they don't really, in all fairness, they don't really come down hard on Western people wearing Western clothing. Yeah. It's more, you know, you learn, you learn if you're there. There's, yeah, well, areas, yeah, there's you're, areas you're where you be, can do things. Yeah, yeah. And there's areas where you don't do things. Yeah. So, you know, if you're in a hotel complex, if you're on the beach, nobody's going to be commenting on the fact if you're wearing a swimsuit or yeah. you know, not showing your legs or arms. If you're in a mall, you could be asked to like cover your shoulders or you mm. know, I wouldn't be going in there wearing hot pants or anything like that. So there's that kind of thing it's not in all fairness they've found a balance between the two the problem is that doesn't always work out perfectly and then you end up with situations like what happened in this book where you know yeah. the second if, if if somebody crosses a line there there's usually quite a high price to pay for it you, you just follow the rules yeah mm -hmm. you if you thought i've written a worst case scenario book which is yeah the nature of fiction is worse yeah of course it has to be most people yeah like nobody yeah. wants to read the book of them having a good time and coming home like yeah. <laughs> that, that isn't a novel so but most people and you know i would be the first to say most people go to dubai they do their few years 
probably have a reasonably good time, nice time. I think they have an amazing time. Yeah, oh. enjoy a good I'm life out there. I've five days and like even the apartment my friend lived in, like her job provides the apartment, it was insane. Like the complex, there's a swimming pool, there's a gym, yeah. there's right, right next to this amazing shopping center. And then like we were going, we went on those brunches, which was just like... Nuts. Yeah, and yeah. um, such you a fabulous eat. experience, yeah. you know? And like you can when, eat like, there, the restaurants there are like, now you pay for them, but yeah, you have experience, like I had amazing experiences in restaurants that like you stand by the beach and a, a boat picks you up and takes you out to like a floating restaurant in the sea and you know, eating Michelin star food floating in the ocean as a sunset, like incredible yeah. experiences, like experiences that you just don't get here. But I suppose at the same time, also knowing that, well, like so much of the world, so much of it has been built on haves and have nots. And it was really important for me, especially even in the interviews to talk about, it's like, I worked in Dublin City a year or so ago, and to get in and out to work on a daily basis, I'm passing people literally sleeping in sleeping bags on the street. And on the one hand, it's awful, but you do just have to like, when it's your 200th day passing them, you know, you just you just do it. And, and I'm not saying that's right, but what I'm saying is they are our most vulnerable here. That's yeah. our most vulnerable, you know, compared to what maybe Dubai's most vulnerable are. And we're doing an awful job of it too. Like we're doing no. a desperate job of that. and. Every time there's an election, I think in recent years, I think a lot of people feel it like we need to solve this housing issue right the way through from the homelessness through to the people who are, you know, working hard but can't get deposits together, you know, to young families and all this massive commuting. You know, these are all the people who were not helping, you know, or yeah. who are at, at, you know, at the more risk, at the more risk element of our society. So I hope the book is more just showing what's what's there yeah. rather than this big kind of finger wagging. Look at those awful people over there doing what they're doing, you know? So, um, and it always comes back to, and I, I don't have a religion. I'm not, you know, yeah. <laughs> you may have noticed from the interviews, I do not have a religion, <laughs> but the, just that Terence quote of, I'm a human being, nothing human is alien to me. And what I just feel, anything that's going on, I'm capable of, or, you know, and everything is just a choice between empathy and indifference and, and, and going through the day, as I said, from stepping over someone who's asleep on the street and deciding whether or not to give them a, a euro or whatever, is still just the same choice of engaging with a problem and being empathetic or being indifferent to it. And I suppose I fail all the time at that, you know? Yeah. I don't pick the right choice all the time. And the same thing is going on in Dubai. People are living there, living good lives and just choosing to be a bit blinkers to some of the darker... To what's aspects. going on beneath. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So... Yeah. But uh, like, the same went on here for years as well, just in terms of oh. women and like... <laughs> well, Way women are treated the mother and baby baby homes like they were still going up until the 90s um it was illegal to be homosexual here woman fairly recently uh you couldn't get a contraception without a prescription you know we're not long we're not that far that. from all that no yeah. and i think we do need to remember that and we're not even that far from it a lot of that hasn't even been addressed properly yeah. you know so we're not even beyond that where yeah. you know it's just talk about the mothers and babies homes they're looking for like these these women were treated as slaves for their whole yeah. lives you know and th there's never been proper redress by the state no. and so yeah I, I think I could have written a book about Ireland if it, in a different way which could have been just as bleak yeah. <laughs> in some respects as its approach but that isn't to say I, did, I don't love Ireland you know it would just be simply you know it's just an aspect of our society and it's the same way with Dubai I don't hate Dubai by any means in fact 
I didn't. I, didn't I had know a good time there, yeah. but you know, at the same time, I I was not blind to uh, some of the things yeah. that would be would be great if they addressed them. Uh, oh, so we're, we were going to finish off the episode because uh, I feel it talked a lot about me. Yeah. <laughs> well, before, we, before we move on to the next okay. bit, we have to say, yeah. Jamie O'Connell, good luck with the book. Can I say it about myself? Yes. Okay. Okay, we'll go again. <laughs> Jamie O'Connell, good, good luck with the book. <laughs> Sarah, thank you very much for interviewing me in that charming and lovely way. <laughs> and so we're just going to do what we probably do on a normal episode, which is just run through some of our cultural interests of the week, things we've been checking in on. And yes, so is there any, actually, I was going to ask you about, yeah. we have a few things here that we've been watching and listening to, but the first thing was the Britney Spears. Did you see the, her? Uh, yes, she went on Zoom yesterday. Course. I didn't yeah. see it though. Oh, if all the audios come out of it there, it is shocking. Powerful. Like, well, she's been forced to uh, have a UTI, like a one of those yeah. things, so she can't get pregnant. <gasps> They've the conservators. That's she's she's not allowed to get pregnant according to the conservatorship. So she's been forced to. Is it a coil or I don't know what that. Like, goodness me, I'm not as up to that, and I probably should know more. But like for me, that's violating your human rights. Human rights. I don't even see how that's legal. That that feels very very dodge. That's insane. So, so her, I mean, she speaks to the judge and, like, do you know the way she sometimes seems on stage not quite like sharp or just not for like yeah. she's like she says she's, be, she's being forced to take like lithium and stuff like that against her will. So like, it sounds to me like what's going on is outrageous, like absolutely outrageous. Yeah. So I mean, it's the first time we've heard from her. It's all been conspiracy, you know, people. Yeah. Outside of the family. And and obviously her camp has been silent. And you can even see in her like TikTok and Instagram, there's something not quite right. right. Like there's something, yeah, like there's a sadness in her face or something. I just yeah. see I, I think it's a disgrace, actually. And I, I certainly after hearing she actually sounded very coherent on the call. She sounded very different to how I've heard yeah. her recently, just with the program. Yeah. So I hope they I cannot believe that absolutely horrified me. I'm like dare you tell this like so you wouldn't do you wouldn't do that pr to prisoners on death row no you wouldn't force them to to have that procedure done so i think it's outrageous absolutely outrageous shocking so we almost looked that up yeah so but in happier news you were talking about the mayor of east town to me before something yeah do, do you watch it no i'm dying Kate to Winslet. i it's just the last two weeks have been fully chaotic that I know we have yeah. a list of things here to see, but I'm so behind on all of I'll that go because I just watch it. It's really good. It's kind of like it is, like it's dark topics, but it's actually not heavy. You know the way like Breaking Bad, I had to start watching because it just made me feel a bit oh. anxious. Mm -hmm. This is like it's very watchful. She's amazing. I She's did that so with Breaking watchful. Bad as well. I just I was like, this is brilliant, but yeah. it's killing. I it's breaking me. Yeah. It's breaking me. I couldn't. Just so... suggested. I'm like I can't go back to it. It's just too. Yeah. I just felt like on edge yeah. the whole time. There was a bit what in else? Breaking Bad where they're trying to dissolve a body in the bath. Yes. And I just was, I fell through the ceiling and I just, I just was like, I can't do this anymore. I just, and I know that's only probably about four episodes into the first series, but I was like, I cannot live or watch something where the world is this bad. It just, it is such a bleak worldview that, and maybe I'm naive, but I'm like, the bottom line is I have to still get up in the morning and believe that it's worth getting up. <laughs> 
I know. No, I couldn't. I had to give up. I had to, I had to, yeah. I had to put it away. Yeah. I was going to ask you about Murder in the Cottage, because we don't have Now TV, but Murder in the Cottage, had you... Oh, my... Do you know, Murder in the Cottage is brilliant. So was you Tuscan Devante. Yeah. I'm just fascinated by that whole thing anyway. Mm. And did you listen to the West Cork um, podcast? No, but John is obsessed with anything to do with her. Like, absolutely obsessed. He listened to that podcast a couple of times over. And he loved it and he was dying to see this. Now, the one thing I've written interviews is that it doesn't usually reveal more than was in the podcast. You don't know. No. But it's uh, a bit more nuanced, I think. Um, and nearly, because like I listened to that podcast and I was like, he did it. Whereas I'm watching this documentary and I'm like, did he do it? It just it presents the evidence much more fairly. It was done by, um, what's his name? Jim Sheridan, mm -hmm. the director. So it's. Um, it's just uh, I, yeah. I thought it was, it's worth watching you can, you can download it for free for seven days the app oh yeah you know we need to download it anyway yeah, yeah. Kind of five episodes TV. and then you can watch Mare Beast Town that's only six episodes I think as well yeah. and we need to download it it's like 10 or 15 quid a month isn't it we need to just download it yeah well, well you can and as well you can just pay by the month so like we watched Mare Beast Town then we didn't, there was nothing to watch so I just didn't pay for it that, the next month and then you just, okay. it's not there's not a you're subscription not, like, kind of yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Because funny, I have a story, not funny. So we were down in Skull uh, last summer and of course Skull like is obviously where that happened and yeah. like Ian Bailey still lives there. So myself yeah. and John were on the street there and like, John just was dying to see him. I mean, it's good, like just dying to have a go. Like, I, I mean, he's probably gonna kill me for saying this, but we were walking up the street and this car drives past and then who jumps out but like and he's very he's tall yeah, he's really he's tall very, and he's kind of wearing like his linens and his scarf and his kind of hat so John was like that's Ian Bailey and I was like John like I felt like a child a mother yeah. whose child is like staring at someone and you're like stop looking like dragging their arm so I was like look I go over here so we were kind of looking in a shop window and John was like head turned to the like neck <laughs> twist in two trying to look at Ian Bailey walking up the street and I was like, just pretend, like, look with your eyes, not with your head. Like, just look at this. Now, we were looking in the window, like a charity shop. There was like a broken pot, <laughs> broken pot in the window. So, like, it was very obvious. <laughs> but he was so, uh, so John did, did see him. But, yeah, he's fascinated by that whole case. But from my point of view, I, I mean, somebody did it, and who knows. But I'm like, I do believe in kind of law where you have to believe. It has to be beyond reasonable doubt. There has to be a process there. And there, it is... The evidence and it might be that you know the police clearly didn't do as good a job as they could have the evidence just isn't there to be fully one way or the other oh, and yeah, yeah. it just has to be that way we have to have yeah. a set of guidelines for because i know in this case you could kind of go well maybe somebody's getting away with something or or not depending on your opinion but at the end of the day those the, that measure of someone being of, of evidence for someone to be convicted is essential so that there isn't other miscarriages of justice like yeah. it is so from my point of view i'm like do i think there's enough evidence there to convict a no. person i don't i don't actually no, think there's evidence. even if i have personal opinions on yeah. what i think probably happened you know so yeah. uh, and his her parents are in this video are in this in this documentary and that's really sad to watch mm. like because sometimes i think with things like this especially with the way netflix present um these documentaries often the victim is kind of nearly left out of the crime you know yeah when at the end of the day somebody died in a horrific way can get forgotten sometimes i think you know mm -hmm. in the drama of it and the, and the one thing i will say since my own interviews cut a book out uh <laughs> is <laughs> all of these interviews that i've done maybe once for the papers or 
they maybe even might be on the phone for half an hour, which is what, 10,000 words, of which they then cut down to 1,200 or, you know, an interview that's 25 minutes long and it's cut down for the radio to 10 minutes. And I felt fine. There was nothing that happened to me that I felt I'd been misrepresented. misrepresented. Yeah. Yeah. But there's such a power there. You're very vulnerable that way because I'm assuming all those interviews and those documentaries are much longer than the bits you see. And because of that, you could totally slant a documentary a certain way so I'm, I'm very aware of that because it's not what you say it's how it's then edited Edited, exactly. yeah yeah now what have you been reading that was the other thing because of course this is good luck for the book so uh... <laughs> snowflake did you read snowflake yes i did yeah. absolutely goodness i wasn't yeah. gonna go into that <laughs> do you know it's the only book that i've pretty much read and really because i want you know i was like you need to put your mind to this but i have had nearly had no concentration for reading the last well, two weeks surprisingly yeah. but yeah. I really loved it. And I think it's actually from talking to her last night, she works from character, which is what I do. And I found the characters really compelling, actually. And I found, especially yeah. the second half of the book, I was really, even uh, Deb, uh, Debbie, isn't it, the main character? Debbie, yeah. She, her unravelling is so interesting in the second half of the book. And I was going to ask last night, but I suppose it wasn't the nature of the way that it wasn't, I wasn't asking questions, so I couldn't. <laughs> but the hedgehog, do you remember the bit with the hedgehog? where she's like, leave it. Yeah. But don't save the hedgehog. And I found, I'm still fascinated by the, what the mindset was there to yeah. like, go, you know, and I was trying to think myself of what it meant to me. And that was sometimes, like, I would like to think I'm an empathetic person or, you know, I'd be, I'd like to think I am, you know, people may think otherwise, but sometimes I can over, I can become overwhelmed by it, you know, of, of yeah. too much, too much of it. And suddenly the pendulum can suddenly swing to quite a hardness, you know, and you shut down quite. Yeah. I, I felt is this this was like a symbol of her at her limit, you know, kind yeah. of no, no longer able to I give any more. Really yeah. uh, and I, I suppose because I just connected it back to myself where I'm like, the odd time I've done something, I'm like, God, that was a bit harsh. Like something I'd say something that came out a bit harsh. And I'm like, why did I do that? I'm like, when I, I don't, it's not my usual nature. And I'm like, oh, you had nothing left to give. Your tank was yeah. empty and you probably should have had a boundary half an hour before this but you've let things go so far and then you snap and you do something yeah. that's actually quite kind of cruel so but I was interested in that I found that of the whole book the poor little hedgehog because it just seems so out of character for Debbie I think you're right actually... that was a good way of um thinking about it I think mm. yeah uh, what was your um, kind of impression what was oh I really enjoyed it I did I'd recommend it like I think she said as well those characters have just always been in her head and mm. Then to see them brought to life and other people getting to meet them, it's a huge honor, yeah. I suppose, for an author, isn't it? But uh, the other books, unfortunately, oh, I have read the. I know we've one here, the the garden, Paul Perry, which I've been. I'm about oh, halfway you, through. You, you're reading that, aren't you? Did you yeah, read yeah. I'm about halfway through, but this was I was halfway through going into it when everything kicked off, so I'll probably go back to it in the next couple of days. Yeah. But really enjoying it. I mean it's a writer's it's a book written by a writer you know it's someone who that really understands craft and form and the sort of feeling the heaviness of the everglades the the symbolism of the this ghost orchid that they're trying to find which i was mad to go then go read up on like wikipedia all about so i'm about happy there and i'm really it's a great book like i'm really enjoying it i have to say it's it's I'd be curious to know the build because in a way yeah. it's nothing I've read the first half which is feels set up and now second half is where probably chaos will ensue yeah. you know? so really brilliant really really enjoying it 
How about you? I'm reading, um, well, I'm listening to The Midnight Library, the Matt Haig book. Have you mm. read about that? It's, no. It's huge. Because um, I'd read about time before. I wasn't, I wasn't mad about it, but I know a lot of people like it. It just, just wasn't for me. So it's kind of, you know, sometimes you're reluctant nearly to go to that kind of author. Anyway, this is really good. Really enjoying it. It's about um, kind of like a sliding doors type thing, how your life would go if you had taken a different direction uh, at a certain time. Okay, okay. And uh, Carrie Mulligan is the narrator. Oh, lovely. Yeah, so oh. it's actually really nice to listen to. Yeah, like you falling asleep. That's okay. <laughs> it's a long book. I yeah, and then when I go back, you know, you're good. the next day I'm like putting it back on my Audible again. I was just like trapped back in my five minutes. Because oh, my sleep timer. <laughs> I because so when I get my free free book off Audible, yeah. I now I'm like I want my money's worth. I'm such an Irish person. I'm like under four hours now. I'll read I'll read the book. I like I want a good ten hour book for my credit for the month. So uh, sometimes I like the short ones. What did you read, Jamie? Are you reading that? Is that um, I wasn't sure if it was on Audible. The Eber Vine book. Everyone's everyone is talking about it. I have a yeah. copy of it right here. So it's. It's on the pile. Like I have, yeah, I have is it I'll probably finish the Paul Perry and then go into this as yeah. next book. And actually what I love about it is it is a slim book. I've actually a stack of books to get through, so I really appreciate yeah. the slim book. I'm going you want me to make you really jealous. Yeah. Look what, look, look what copy I have of Elizabeth Strout. I love her. Do you love Elizabeth Strout? Love. Oh love. So I You only introduced her and I've read literally read them all now. Oh, so good. So I have the Elizabeth Strout O William. So yeah, I, I'm planning to go to ground in July and just have a month kind of away from uh I'm going on my holidays tomorrow. Of, oh, in my countdown. Oh brilliant. <laughs> We're going That's to Wicklow for a week. But um I um so I'm going to read because my book club we picked the hours after we had Laura on the podcast. So we all decided because um, I haven't read Virginia Woolf, so we decided we'll read the hours and then progress to Virginia herself. For, and when I come back from my holiday next week, I'm meeting all my, my girlfriends for book oh. talk. I'm going to discuss the hours. In person, you can finally see them. Yeah, we're going to go out for oh, dinner like, on the street. <laughs> oh my God, that's fabulous. Oh, that's I know. great. I know, uh, can't wait. But do send on the group if you are going to read Virginia Woolf. It's that little clip that's on YouTube. It's the only recorded audio of her speaking where she talks yes. about the English language and it's about 10 minutes. And it will just give you a... I think if you listen to that, you understand then when you go to the book why she's writing in a certain way. It kind yeah, of is yeah, a great yeah. introduction to her ethos. Because I loved... This is Miss Dalloway. Yeah, Sorry. Miss Dalloway. Yeah. Miss Dalloway. Uh, but it definitely is a style you have to... Get, get into. into. Yeah. yeah, some of the girls are saying that about the hours as well. I haven't started it yet, but one of them said there's a lot of uh, brackets, parentheses. Okay. Well, I find what I found that is a slowly rising tension, and and like the final two or three chapters, I found I was out with a pen, like just beautiful kind of truisms or you know just reflections on life, and yeah. it's really beautiful, especially it's kind of built, but you have a series of elements. It's probably not unlike Dive for Pearls novel that's out at the moment by Jane O'Connell. <laughs> where you have a few elements of different characters speaking at the beginning and then you have to kind of figure out the the lattice comes together and it kind of makes yeah. sense uh so his recommendation sarah oh my twin recommendation my book recommendation yes so i'm recommending it's a gorgeous picture book so if anyone has twins or knows somebody with twins this would be a gorgeous present it's called the twin blanket and it's by haiwan yum my sister bought it for me like 
year years ago, 32. <laughs> <laughs> like say maybe over a year ago. And they, you know, they, I was reading with them, they just, they just didn't connect with it, but they absolutely love it now. So there's such a wait and they're a bit older. And I think that's kind of sometimes a thing with picture books. It might not be the okay. right time if you go to mm. read a book for your kids. They might not like it. Just wait and come back to it. And this book is gorgeous. And it's just about, um, oh, they're called like lookalike twins. They're identical twins in the book, same as my girls. And it's just a little story about how they're growing up and need to blanket each. But it's very cute, beautiful. Um, I'll put it up on the Instagram page yeah, as well. Yeah. People always like really nice. putting up your kids' book on Insta. That seems yeah. to work really, really well. So I suppose just to wrap up, we have our few little <laughs> finishing pieces. Can I just say, Sarah, what can you just say? Well, I'm just going to say, I wanted to give out about those bloody Father's Day cards because I went to get our Father's Day cards and they're all make out that men are like bumbling idiots who just like drinking golf and vintage cars. <laughs> <laughs> the main things. And they have stupid messages like, oh, sit with the remote control all day. And I just think like parenting has moved on so much from that in the last few years, especially, like I could not, I know Sophie White talked about this when we were talking to her about um, like, how, how do you do it all kind of thing? Like you do it all because you're with somebody who's supportive and you're a partnership. So without them, you couldn't do what you do and they couldn't do what they do. And they're not a bumbling idiot. And they're as much a part of being a parent as, you are so yeah. the cards need to reflect that and stop with the fucking men bashing so i mean <laughs> it happens all the way up like the girls the princesses the boys yeah. the, naughty, the naughty rugger kind of yeah. scrappy things like it, it, it runs through the kids toys and then it definitely runs as you said through the kind of parenting yeah, thing the and then even in old age like the one thing i'll say which has moved forward which is quite often you know grannies are always depicted a certain way and I, the great thing is you see newer kids books the grannies are not like that at all they've moved yeah. into being like still, David Williams, i think <laughs> yeah do you know what i mean they're, they're no longer these like cozy fluffy hairs because most none of the grannies are like that anymore so yeah. definitely you know Men have it tough, Sarah, so they need to fix these cards. <laughs> I know, like, I know. <laughs> I'm not saying no, that's not an anti-feminist thing. It's just an equality thing, I suppose. Yeah. Like, if I was a father, there isn't a card out there that would suit me. But then <laughs> but I think of that line, insects in the cities, where it's like, if you were a father, we'd have to call the social services. <laughs> so my, can I just say, is this. I have so little to complain about in life, but one thing that has driven me mad this year is Irish weather this year is doing my nothing. It is so bad. I, I feel like we at least get normally two weeks a year of like, just two weeks of where we can kind of go, okay, we've pulled some. It normally is the leaving start happens. And for those two weeks, we're in luck. We just have not had this year. I have a little plot out the back of the garden where I grow my little bits of vegetables and everything sucks this year. <laughs> the tomatoes have no tomatoes, not the tomatoes. The strawberries have no strawberries. The lettuce has a well, the lettuce has been okay, but the spinach just looks really sad and not very leafy. Uh, the only thing that's and is really it lack well, of sun, Jamie? It's lack of sun and just lack of a bit of yeah, lack of sun, I think, really more than anything else. So, lack of and it was cold really up till quite recently. I mean, it's it's warm now, but I felt even like we were eating out when things opened up, maybe it was a week and a half ago. Like, if the sun goes, if when you're in out with your girls for your book club, it is cold when the sun goes down. It is like, bring a good warm jacket. We were eating out 
on the street, the sun was there and suddenly it just dipped behind the trees. And it was like being on the moon when the sun goes away. It was like freezing. So I think that's a lot of the reason why is that the heat just isn't out this year uh, that there would have been previous I don't know. Years. I think maybe... Was it because uh, I didn't you, carry as well? Yeah. Because it's been quite nice up here. Now, like for the last, it rained, it's raining now, and it rained yesterday, but it needed to rain because it's actually been quite nice. And the same thing, though, with the sun going down, because I had my parents and um, my sister that over for a barbecue at the weekend, and the sun went down, and it like everyone left. It wasn't like we'd have around my garden, they're all gone at six because it, <laughs> it was cold. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, sure. I'm pretty. Supposed to be lovely next week, one of my holidays, 25 oh. degrees. Amazing. And I'll have a light week next week, so I might try and just enjoy a yeah. bit. So, Sarah, give me your coffee and a This quotes. one was for you, Jamie. I found this uh, quote and I thought, well, this, I don't really like the first bit. <laughs> <laughs> Tal- talent is cheaper than table salt. What separates the talented individual from the successful one is a lot of hard work. And that's by Stephen King. And I just know from watching you and being friends at you over your writing career that it's a huge amount of work and I think sometimes people have this idea that oh you just sit down and this book flows out of your pen and <laughs> you publish it <laughs> but like like you're saying earlier just the amount of editing and rethinking and it's I think it's a hard thing to sit down and say you're going to write something and then to put it out there into the world and have people read it is probably even harder so you're amazing. Thank you. <laughs> no, I would agree. Like, I, I do believe in the Malcolm Gladwell thing of like doing your 10,000 hours, uh, I think is probably true of most people. Okay, there's the occasional Mozart who's kind of born for yeah. forms, but I think that's the, that's like, the it's, the rule. it's so, ex- yeah. so exceptional. I think if you believe that about yourself, you could be in for a rough ride. Uh, <laughs> I, I'd like, yeah, I think it's, as I said, hard work goes a long way. And then just, hard work with that as i said try fail pivot try fail pivot and just keep just working on that mentality that's the hard work yeah 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 a lot so, of people say, uh, like it doesn't go around the first time so then they'll just leave it and go that's not yeah. for me or whatever but i think edna o'brien was asked what would she be if she wasn't a writer and she said i'd be in a madhouse and i think that's what has kept me motivated for so long because anytime i stop i start to feel kind of discontent or something i just don't feel myself and so in a way that that's the thing that can't be taught yeah that's the thing that's the thing that keeps you writing even on your twenty-seven thousandth failure uh because i kind of had to decide a long time ago would i give this up you know or and and just do something else which would be much more you know i could have gone down a much more standard path like the option of maybe doing like dentistry or architecture or something where you'd have a very standard career progression sorry the listeners jamie's one of those annoying people who's good at everything he's good Uh, at maths and english which is not even possible and art you're good at art too with (laughs) one exception which you know very well (laughs) one very big exception (laughs) singing which is like awful so I was definitely not given the... No, you were right, you could have picked a career in finance or whatever and... Yeah, been easier, but made I a just, lot more money. Absolutely, and... But I think... Yeah, sure, you love. I kind of did have to make a sort of decision myself to kind of go, would you still do this even if, like, you... Like, will you be happy at 50 if you're... You know, you kind of... It hasn't worked out the way you'd hoped. Would you... I'm like, the, yeah, I'm okay with that. You know, and, and I'm okay with... The, this is the main reason why I do it is for the joy of doing it it's not yeah. uh and actually it's been great because as the years have gone on 
that kind of young teenage thing of needing something to prove and wanting to you know label of rewards and you know kind of something to approve there definitely was something to prove there has kind of fallen away to being like I just love doing it I just yeah. love doing it and and you know everything else is such icing on the cake it's such a maybe you know to get nice reviews or to be in the bestsellers or you know whatever else to get shortlisted or, or whatever in in something but it's not the real thing the real thing is yeah. the, the reward of of creation so so yeah thank you very much that's a lovely quote and my quote is really for everyone over the last few weeks who like literally everyone from those in Penguin Random House to the media who have been so encouraging and understanding to yourself to book and especially to booksellers who as I said I felt like grateful for so it's just a quote by of course you wouldn't finish an episode that Marcel Proust as well (laughs) well we've got an oprah and sex in the city so just as proust was left the, the three musketeers <laughs> let us be grateful to the people who make us happy they are the charming gardeners who make our souls blossom to That's all you gorgeous. people who have made my soul blossom the last few weeks thank Shame. you so <laughs> and before we go i know the question marks sarah's written up our notes for the episode (laughs) the big question of will there be a season three as of right now i want to do it i definitely like i want to find a way to definitely make it work if somebody's out there who loves to do editing (laughs) (laughs) you know we need an intern (laughs) we we get on to pause (laughs) so i it's the hardest part of the job I mean this is so easy chatting to you uh Uh the books are so easy to read it is so I would just love someone to do the editing and the social media like I know you feel the same it's just (laughs) so I think we're definitely going to talk about it and it's we're in a good flow I feel we've got I feel we've got better and better as well you know I feel we've got more we found our little like we were doing too much at the start we're doing too too much Jesus Christ how do we even do that we had three bloody books John was seeing me go grey in front of him because it just was insane. So I definitely want to do it. We'll continue to tweak and refine and we're just going to talk about it, I'd say, afterwards. Yeah, so exactly. you, I think you, do you want to do it? No pressure. Oh, I'd love to do it. But yeah, same okay, thing, great. Like, yeah. I think as well, at the end of it, you do get tired, like, you get tired towards the end of mm. each season. You probably mm. just need some time to sit back yeah. and think about it. Yeah, I'd love to, do, yeah, I'd love to do it. But if there is anyone out there who maybe like like Edna O'Brien said you'd be in a madhouse without writing does anyone who'd be in a madhouse without editing audio (laughs) we can help you (laughs) I love it so uh yeah so we'll talk about that I will get something together hashtag intern (laughs) Jamie just to say as well like all we've been talking and talking like all this time through the two seasons about your book coming and now it's here it's in the shop so it's just amazing so Congratulations. Uh, and um, we've got the main thing, which was supposed to be about the your bestseller for the third week oh, in a row. Thank you. Oh, I, I have to say, I hadn't even thought about the bestseller thing. It was all about the reviews where my neurotic tendencies were focused. So it was, though I have to say on the Tuesday after the book came out, like I knew it was like 2.30 on a Tuesday, the email goes out from the charts from Nielsen Book Data. So <laughs> Sometimes you can know too much as an, yeah. <laughs> an author who's writing publishing. So I have to say it was such a thrill then to get the phone call and then to be delighted. So, which I almost felt more for the publisher than for myself. So it was like, they've invested, Validations. In you know, they've invested a lot in this. And I just, I really wanted it to work for everyone who'd, oh God, I sound a bit like Miss World at this stage, <laughs> but I really, 
I really meant it. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, I know you're right. Yeah, you're, and you're, like you said, the publicity, publicity was insane. You were literally mm-hmm. everywhere. She did a great job. Okay. This episode is getting super long. Uh, So so no, firstly, pass the pod, people. So one friend, absolutely. In terms of us coming back in the autumn, passing the pod really actually matters, you know, and saying it to a friend. So we feel like that we're actually talking to actual people. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, please do pass the pod. Otherwise we can phone each other. (laughs) And we wouldn't have to edit it. (laughs) Just enjoy it. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's the editing that's killing me at the moment. And... Uh, if anyone likes make, making like really pretty Instagram posts, I really would appreciate that. It's it's the thing that I find really hard, like putting the book next to a nice ad or a bunch of flowers or something in that. I find it, I'm suddenly going, it's been 90 minutes to create like this post. <laughs> Painting one nail to oh, hold okay. it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, look, thank you guys. Thanks. Have a great summer. We're opening yeah. up. Uh, enjoy your summer and we look forward to... Yeah. A good hopefully, strong chance maybe. we'll be yes there's a good strong chance we will be back hopefully maybe september october november, october, november for another november. episode <laughs> so really looking forward to that and uh have a great summer Woo! and buy the book <laughs> buy the book pass the pot i'll buy the book <laughs> <laughs> buy two copies <laughs> yes Hilarious. even if it's just to hold open a door buy a copy <laughs>